Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. I have a fascinating guest on the show with me this week. Fascinating, fascinating, may not actually even begin to describe him, really. But let me tell you a little bit about my guest. He is originally from Kosovo, but grew up in Sweden as a refugee as he and his family escaped the up and coming war. He is an entrepreneur a producer, and runs his very own company called By Gazim Gashi. Little hint as to who my guest is here, By Gazim Gashi. He's one of the founding members and partner of the High School Institute, my goodness, Institute, OCS Institute of Arts and Innovation located in Los Angeles. We're going to talk about that as well. And most importantly, perhaps to our relationship, he is a soon-to-be author with his self-help book, Unlocked, The Power of You. Unlocked is the name of that book. His story has been recognized by uh, outlets like Huffington Post and Forbes, the big Forbes. And right before the pandemic, he had a very big moment. He was invited to speak at the very prestigious Harvard University. And here's the kicker, really. He is only 30 years old, just 30 years old. Welcome, welcome, my friend, Gazim Gashi. <laughs> hey, hey, Anna, I'm so excited for this call today. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories. We have so much to get into. You, There is literally no shortage of topics that you and I can cover. But one of the biggest ones and one of the most important that came up on the very, very, very first time I ever spoke to you. And it just really captivated my attention. It captivated my heart. It's just such a big story. I want you to tell us how you, how your story even began 30 years ago when you were born in Kosovo during a time of great unrest. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So I was born in June 29, 1990, and obviously, so this is a story that my mom has told me repeatedly, and it's been such a, an important story for me because I remember when I was, I think I was 11, the first time my mom told me this story, and I was just, wow. So going back to my story, I was born June 29, 1990, and it was a lot of stuff happening in Kosovo because of the up-and-coming war. Uh, And then I was born very healthy, 
and 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 very happy from the beginning uh, and very shortly after I was born my mom understood that just energy wise before even someone told her that there's something happening at the hospital she didn't know what that was she just felt that wait I my baby is born he is happy and healthy but there's something that's off here so a few days passes by as my mom you know as usual you have to stay once you once you you just become a newly mom and then a nurse comes in on 2nd July of 1990 and tells my mom just want you to know something that uh, there's soldiers in the hospital right now and they are on the fourth floor they're vaccinating kids wow. we don't know what they what what the vaccine is but they're here to kill the next generation so you cannot use the normal exit you have a window i suggest you call anyone that you know and just that's your escape my mom closes the door she's freaking out she calls her on her brother my uncle and my dad they come to the hospital come to the window and my mom had to do what i think any mom would do and she tossed me out of the of the window and and my uncle saved me and they ran to the car then my mom took all of her stuff and were able to go to the normal exit and the soldier asked her you know where are you going and she said i'm just gonna buy something but because she was alone she was allowed to leave and she left and she ran to the corner of the building and ran to my dad and to my uncle and got into the car and then they went to uh, to to our village Aklap, uh, uh, which is a small town in, in outside Pristina which is the capital of Kosovo and then everyone's so happy because on the 2nd July of, of 1990 in Kosovo as well we were declared Republic of Kosovo and we thought that that was going to be very very good for the country so everyone was just extremely happy and then as they were driving home they saw my grandma and they stopped uh, the car to have her jump uh, you know to come in the car and she was so happy that she knew that I survived that it was Repub uh, Kosovo just became Republic and then she got into the car and then everyone was just so happy and then she grabbed me in her arms and then my mom haven't even thought about a name or anyone because everyone just trying for me to be come out of the hospital and be okay. Right. And then my grandma had me in her arms and then my uncle said, so what's his name? And then she said, my grandma said, it's Gazim because it means happiness. And she said, this is the happiest day of my life. So his name has to be Gazim. Oh. Uh, wow. So so that's how my just a couple of days of my story has started and it's been crazy ever since then to be honest but i my mom shared that story because i remember hearing that story i understood that i had a reason of being here and i think as we're going to talk more to on this podcast and, and we're going to talk about everything uh, i've definitely been on that platform that i if, if i don't feel that something is making sense and I think Anna, you know me by now because we've had so many posts tonight. I'm just not into it. Uh, and I do think that my foundation started here. Yeah. With yeah. all of that. Yeah. 
That is yes. exactly. And this is what, I mean, I, I love this story for, it's a frightening story, frankly, to even think. And as a mother myself, imagining those early moments, those first days as a vulnerable new mother, holding your baby in the arms in a hospital, let alone a hospital in a country that was at war, hearing these words from the nurse. And I find this fascinating right now, actually, in the context of what we're currently going through and talking about a soldier coming into your room saying you're going to be vaccinated. The nurse had no concept of whether or not that was safe or whether it wasn't safe. And at the moment, it didn't really matter whether it was or wasn't. It mattered what your poor vulnerable mother at this time really felt in her heart was the truth. And the only thing she knew to do to save your life and possibly her own is to throw her newborn infant out a hospital window. It's just, it blows my mind truly. Every time I hear this story, it blows my mind. But more importantly, Gazim, and I think this is really key to what you're doing now in the world, which we're going to talk about because you've done some pretty big things, is that this story created for you a meaning that goodness, like you're grateful just to be alive. You're literally happy just to be here yeah. and alive enough to really grab your life and all of the potential for your life by just grab it in your arms and really run with it. So I'm curious then after you left Kosovo and you ended up in Sweden, knowing bits and pieces of this yeah. personal story, carrying this great name that meant so much to your family, talk to me about what it was like yeah. growing up as Gazim in Sweden. Yeah. No, so growing up in Sweden, it's crazy because today, every time I tell anyone that my name is Gazim and what it means, that it's happiness, I do think it makes sense because I try to stay happy. <laughs> I mean, that's just who I am. So I definitely grew up as a very happy kid, like super, super, super happy. And we're just always very solution oriented, always very independent. So I am the third child. Uh, I have uh, one, uh, my oldest brother, my uh, uh, older sister, then it's me, then I have a younger sister. So, and I think there's something with the third child, we just become very independent. But in my case, I was always very family oriented and still am extremely. So I'm growing up in Sweden. I, uh, you know, once again, some of the stories my parents told me is that I just always did my thing, never really cared about, you know, play. I think I've always been the kid where the kids want to play with me and I'm like, I'm good. I'll just do my thing because I've always been kind of knowing what I wanted to do. So never really experienced being bullied or, 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 or anything. I do know, of, of course, that happened. But I think because of the support system I'd had at home, I just never really let that get under my skin. Uh, but growing up in Sweden, I just remember I was very happy. And, and I remember how music became such a, I would say obviously an escape, but also a place where I would start dreaming big. So my mom told me that the first time she knew that I was connected to music is when I was two or three and she, you know, my, my older siblings were uh, in, in kindergarten. And at that time she was taking care of me uh, most of the time, uh, not because, uh, anything was uh, specific for me but I was just going 
to kindergarten in a very short hours. So when she was home with me, she still had to go to do the laundry because he was not in the in the apartment because we live in this big big refugee apartment complex. And then she just it was a lot for her to like take me go to the laundry and I was uh, just crying sometimes. And then once every time I would cry, she would just put the radio. And I would just stay by the radio and I would listen to a lot of the Quincy Jones music that he did at the time. This is early 90s and Whitney Houston and, you know, all the crazy music that Quincy Jones has been behind. Mm. And my mom said that that was just her way of letting me be by the radio. And then when I would come back, I was sweating because I was dancing so much. And I was only three. And she said, okay, that's my trick with him. I can do laundry. He can listen to music. Let's go. (laughs) And then... Growing up, I, yes, I, I, I did grow up in south of Sweden and actually writing the book, I do understand some things now that I even haven't thought about before. But I think growing up in Sweden, I, coming from Kosovo, I do have darker hair, darker uh, attractions uh, and, 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 and sweeps are blonde and, you know, blue eyes. And I think for me, I am realizing now how often I was reminded by the uh, by my friends and even with the teachers how I was a good refugee. Uh, oh, wow. So I would be in a class and we would talk about refugees, anything that would happen outside the world. And then my teacher would say, well, look at this. He's a refugee, but he's a good refugee. Wow. And then everyone would be like, yes. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> and then... Heavy. Even, although I, I see the issue now, at that time, I was just happy that I was a good refugee, if of that makes course, sense. Of course, of course. And I was like, okay, I'm, I thought I was accepted, but now growing up, I'm like, you were not accepted because they saw, still saw you as not Swedish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there came a time, once again, growing up in Sweden when I was 11. And I remember growing up in that environment. And I would always, I, I, I also had some, Swedes who are just not nice people at all and they would chase me and after school and me and my friends and they would grab me and they were older like seven or eight years older and they would take us uh, to this uh, corner of our building and just like force us to say that we're Swedish like you're Swedish tell you're Swedish tell you're Swedish and I was like I'm actually not Swedish I am from a proud Albanian but very proud to to be a Swedish uh, citizen but Yes, I'm Albanian. And they would beat me up more if I said that I'm Albanian. I'm like, this is, I felt giving up and saying I'm Swedish just to make them happy. I felt that I would just give up my integrity because for me, I am Albanian and I am Swedish, regardless what anyone says. But I don't, because growing up in Sweden, I would always hear be more Swedish, be more Swedish. Mm -hmm. For a while, I really spent more time speaking Mm -hmm. better Swedish But then I understood that that meant I should just lose more of my culture of being Albanian to be accepted as Swedish. I I just had, I I can't even, I literally just had like an aha moment right now as you're talking that we're, and we're going to talk about your book later because it's super important, but hearing this kind of like, where do I fit in and who am I really? And how do I ground into my identity makes like as I think about the title of your book even now which is unlocked the power of you 
this is really a thread that's been running through your entire life is unlocking yeah. who you really are. Yeah. Who, who is Gazim Gashi truly? And exactly. what are you all about? Now, you, you do work in the entertainment industry and you mentioned Quincy Jones and your Albanian connections. I know you have a connection even to Dua Lipa. So can yeah. you kind of talk me through a little bit about what is Gazim doing now? What is your, what yeah. does your life entail? And, and I think our audience can hear in the background, you are currently in LA as we're recording yeah. this and you can yeah. hear all that buzz and the noise of LA around you, which is so beautiful. I love that noise. Yeah. So in LA, what do you do in the music industry and, and who, who are you down there? Yeah. So first of all, I am at Soul House in, in Los Angeles right now, in West Hollywood area. Love and it. I wanted to choose this place because I'm having a 360 view of Los Angeles right now. And it's almost 10 years ago that I came here the first time. And since I feel so connected to you, Anna, I wanted to choose this place because I wanted to have a, a moment for myself as well while we're talking about my journey uh, and, and just be, you know, seeing the city uh, because I live more. I think for the last couple of months, I've been more in New York, uh, uh, and we can get into that uh, later. But what I do in LA is that a couple of years ago, I think it's seven or eight now, I started to get into music education because I've always been into marketing, always been into working with talents, and started having a lot of success on YouTube where I started to do lyrics videos. So I would choose a lot of famous songs, popular songs, and we start to do creative content to them. And uh, it was a way of having other listeners being uh, uh, connected and, and engaged in the actual song. And then I would just provide content to it. And it was, I, it was a way for me to get in touch with different people from the entertainment industry and record labels. And I had over 50 million views. And all of a sudden, I would also uh, find other unsigned and unknown talented artists and tell them that hey you should sing this song that has a lot of views uh, on on my channel and then I can make sure that they can see uh, that they can see your video as so I would connect the dots uh, with my success so it led to other talent having success um, and then through that, I started to get into music education in, in Sweden. And then I started to work on some music programs in Sweden. And then very, I would say very quickly, I started to do it on my own way because I did not believe on what they did. So I started to provide my own services. And I started to do a lot of platform where it benefited the students, but not the, all of the students, but I would create plans based on what they wanted to do. So I would work a lot with one and one students and, and making sure that they get to reach their potential. And it's not about them feeling that they have to satisfy their society or, or anyone around them, but they have to make sure that they can do what they want to do and what they are best at. So I started to do music education, had a lot of success with that in Sweden and started to work uh, with everyone like producers, artists, songwriters and, and, and my, 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 the students and my community in, in, in 
in Sweden has been able to reach more than, I think, more than two billion streams now. Wow. Uh, which is insane. And one of them are Noted, who were just number one on US Dance Radio 2019 with their song So Close. Uh, so I've had, it's crazy because now I can travel and meet students, then I go to their show. And a couple of years ago, we were in South of Sweden, a small village, and I would work with them and, and, and mentor them and, and, and just be there for them. And then through that, I also pitched uh, a lot of the students to the industry. And then I think that's what started to make name for me in the music industry and then just the music industry have been extremely hand in hand with what I do. And now we collaborate with each other. And so I am a talent scout for the entertainment industry as well and a producer, which I am going to going later on a little bit more because I've done a lot of great stuff with Disney in UK. Uh, and, uh, and then yes, I, as you mentioned before, uh, Forbes did a piece of me of what I did here in Sweden. And then that brought me to America and then a couple of years before that, I had met Mary Kay and Dr. Jim Altizer uh, in Sweden because they wanted to explore some innovative platforms. And that's when they happened to find me and, and we connected and we started to build bridges with that program that I was working on in Sweden at the time and bringing students over to her program in, in, in Los Angeles. And then when I uh, was on Forbes, I felt this is the time for me and them to do something that no one has done before. So I left everything and we partnered and that's how the OCS Institute of Arts and Innovation came about. And it's an institute under the umbrella of Oaks Christian School. So uh, it's in a very good area. It's, I'm extremely proud and happy to be a partner of this uh, company and school because they are extremely established have the most just insane resources i mean anna for you i, I can't wait for you to come and see uh, uh, the school is just I insane not wait and we've then, talked about it so much but yeah, i just like can't wait I, to get on a yeah, plane yeah you cannot come i cannot wait and now in my recent success because we launched august 2019 and i offer mentorship at the institute so i i work with the talent that I would say are the most ready to work with me because we have almost 100 students right now, which uh, has been great. And then the pandemic happened. So we have been running things more in the pandemic than uh, than on actual campus. And just I ending that. that, I would want to say that my recent success is that uh, through the mentorship program, uh, Asher, who oh, yes. guys are going to hear very more. Yeah. Yes. Tell me so about Asher it. just so Asher is uh, my first mentor kid at the institute, and I started work with him, started to mentor him, and we just had the most incredible uh, time. And then Alyssa Lane Smith, from Quin the vice president of Quincy Jones Productions, she has been a dear friend of mine for a couple of years now, and she's also on the board at the institute. Uh, and uh, I just knew that it was. Uh, a moment that was gonna happen and the moment that I'm trying to come to is that Coincidence Productions has now signed Asher uh, in management and the fun part with this is that Asher is actually the first student ever that I'm step I mean that I'm outside of the Institute now I am working for Coincidence Productions 
uh, as a management advisor for Azure. Uh, because uh, I told myself that no matter what student I work with, I don't want to have a contract with them because I feel it's not ethical for me because I mentor them in education. I don't want to turn it to business, but because coincidental production were so happy with me and, and, and just the team loyalty and everything, they really wanted me to work for them so I can give them advice on how they should manage uh, Asher and both Asher and I were very comfortable with that because I told him from the beginning that if something happened I couldn't follow him professionally because it goes against you know I'm right. not gonna uh, no, I love this. business with students like that yeah I love this Gazim and it kind of ties into something else that I wanted to talk to you about but something you and I have really dialogued on a lot and it comes up here yes. as you're talking about this first of all congratulations on getting asher signed to quincy jones i know we've talked about it but it's like huge it's a big announcement That's insane. really yeah, cool and this is like an artist so i'll tag him in the show notes too and everything so people can go and follow, yes. follow along on your journey um yes. but what i what something that you say often and i i suspect this like is a kind of something that i want other people to know too and that you would probably want them to know this is your quote. You say it's not who it's maybe it's not your quote, but you've shared it with me. It's not who yes. <laughs> it's not who you know, it's how you know them. Is that a Quincy Jones yeah. quote? That Quincy? That's a Quincy Jones the third. So that's his son. But it's still coming from that family environment. And and it's crazy right now, Anna, because as you were saying that, I see the building where that happened because it's a rooftop not far away. That was when, where this whole event happened. That was just crazy. I was just like looking on that side. Uh, and um, so that happened 2013. I came still young and still trying to figure out in Los Angeles. And I was able to meet Quincy Jones III. So this, uh, the, the, the son of the legend, uh, Quincy Jones. Uh, Quincy, Quincy Jones has been married to a Swedish woman before. So Quincy Jones III is half Swedish and half uh, African-American. So, um, we connected at an event for Steve Angelo uh, because it was his birthday here in Los Angeles. Uh, and we were just talking. And I think for me, I've never followed status. I've never followed title. I've never followed anything. I've always been uh, just engaged with nice people. And he just was the nicest person at this event. And we were just chatting. And I actually didn't know who he was at all. Um, and then... I said something in that evening. I said, because we were just having such a good conversation and we were a group of people. And then I said in front of everyone, I said, I do struggle of being in LA because I just know it's all about who you know. And I don't like that. And he said, it is true, but not. And then I said, what do you mean? And then he said, yes, it is about who you know but I would say it's more about how you know them. Right. And then I just remember I left that, I left that uh, event as, okay, it's not about who you know, it's about how you know them, which meant that I should be the way I am. Because coming to LA, and this is, just so everyone understand, this is 2013, Instagram has not been the way it is right now. You cannot reach out to people, you cannot, it's not where we are with just the way we connect with people at that time. So coming to LA at that time, 
you definitely have to be in a certain way to be accepted or to be uh, even getting into some events and everything. And I was just never interested in that. Never, never, never interested in that. Uh, and, and I've always been, been a believer in following my gut, following my character, following what I believe in is right for me. Uh, and I was just not interested in that. But when I met Quincy Jones III and he told me that the way I am, I can have success because I'm a very personal person. Because in LA, to everyone who's been here, I'm sure they know when I say that it is very superficial. It's all about if you can do something for them, they're going to be nice to you. If you're not, then they're not going to talk to you. I don't choose. My circle never once has based on what they do. It's more about who they are. And I think because I've been that person, now I am at, an, at a place where people have chose me because of who I am as well. And I rather chose them, have them chose me because they think I'm nice instead of that I can provide something for them. And it's crazy because just yesterday I was having a very a chat with my friend and I, because someone has been reaching out to me and they really are trying to, you know, get something because now when we're older we can f see who's authentic and who's not and i was just like i'm just not interested in it. i'm just at a place where i rather work with my friends and if you're not my friend we're not gonna be friends i mean we're not gonna work together uh, so so yeah so i think i love that you brought that up anna because it obviously it's in my book a lot but it just for me what that meant is that i could continue to be myself because coming to LA I thought it's about who you know and I uh, also share in the book I actually came to LA once 2011 for three weeks left because it was just I was still on that path of it's about who you know so I felt this is not what I want to do came back 2013 again did stay for a couple of months did not like it again and then went back and started to do the music education program and then I came back 2019 again so this is like the third time coming back so to anyone who's listening to this, if they feel that they tried something, but they still want to do it in another way, continue to do it because let's not follow the cities or destination and have them define us. I think for me, it's always been about what I wanted to do creatively. And if that's going to take me to Vancouver or New York or north of Sweden, that doesn't matter for me. So let's just not focus on the actual cities or places. Let work take you where you should be. Oh, I, love, I love this. I mean, lesson. Uh, you know, Anna. Yeah. I do. And I do. I feel yeah. like I know you so you know that well. I love to work. Great. I yeah, yeah. love to work. You just love to work. And I love this lesson though. Truly. I mean, there's yeah. so many people every single day. I know my listeners because I get comments from listeners all the time. I'm constantly in interaction yeah. with clients and, and other authors who are really struggling with this idea of you have to be a certain thing in order to fit, in order to belong. And for you, yeah. again, we pull back to this thread of like, you have to either be Swedish in order to be Swedish, or you have to be entirely yeah. one thing or another in order to fit in. And your teachable moment here, yeah. your lesson is, no, we want to unlock yeah. the power of you we want you to do you and do it your way exactly and that does include building beautiful relationships with people but building them in an authentic way there's that big word in an authentic way where like even the yeah. dialogue you and i are having it's like we can talk about things that are so important to us at a foundational level and still be able to do business because yeah. now I see you, I respect exactly. you as a person, and I really want to see you succeed. Exactly. 
right? And I, I love that. I love, 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 love that lesson so much. It's like this feeling Same. of like, yes, I can do it. That's really this message. So I'm going to, I'm going to just pivot at this point to yeah. your book because we've touched on it. We've talked about the title, yeah. Yeah. Unlocked the Power of You. Talk to me about this book. Tell me about your book. Yes. So for, so the book for me, as I was just talking about a lot of stuff that I've been able, I think for me, I, I think all of us have something that we can say we are lucky because I don't like when, when people who have worked so hard and then people call them lucky. I don't think it's about that. I think being lucky is about the good examples, the good people that we get to meet. And for me, I think I've been obviously met all kinds of people that I'm not even proud of that I met, but uh, because they're just not nice, but I am been very lucky of meeting some extremely nice uh, people. Been lucky to be in very great situations where it provided me tools, it provided me uh, knowledge, and it provided, provided me a lot of innovative uh, mindset. So a lot of that I wanted to bring into this book because the idea with this book was that okay doesn't matter about age doesn't matter who you are but if you are at a place in your life where you feel that you want to do something bigger in your life and this is where you'll probably you're gonna find my book and you'll open the chapter and you're gonna find 10 pack superpowers which we'll call them and they're gonna give you a lot of insights of each one of them of what you can do to reach the full potential of exactly what you want to do. So I think for me, it's just been so important to, to write an, an honest book and to share stuff about me, to share stuff about what other people have taught me and that people have given me a tools and knowledge. And I think one thing that I, I, I hope anyone reading this book is that being authentic, and knowing when you reach that and being very confident in what you want for yourself, I think that's when you are just going to understand that that's when you'll find the way of unlocking the power of you. Because I think sometimes we hear love yourself before you love anyone else, but that means so much. And I think for me, my, this book is about just putting your first, yourself first, because I do think for me, and I write this in the book as, as well, for me, it's writing, it's being excited to go to work. This is not a book uh, where it's like financial uh, uh, expertise of how to be the richest man in the, per in the life. I believe being the richest person in the world is when you're the happiest person. That's, but that's me because I do want to be happy. And all the people that I met and who are super successful, the people that I met who are super successful and who have maintained a very good lifestyle are the people who have done it the right way. And the right way means that you do something that you love. You don't fall into the stuff that money or as soon as that comes becomes a reason, then that's where you see the people change and where drugs come in because they want to feel better of the bad decisions that they've done and they're backstabbing people and they don't come look people in the eyes and they start doing really crazy stuff. But if you have been honest to yourself, first of all, in the way you want to do stuff, then 
you can sleep in the evening. Can you believe how nice that is? I mean, for me, I'm, that's the most incredible thing, feeling is that someone was just not nice the other day. And my friend's like, how do you feel? And I was like, you know what? I am the one who can sleep good in the evening. They're not, so I don't really care. And I, because before you would care, you know, obviously all, we're human beings, we're gonna care how people treat us and we're gonna be sensitive and sad. But now I am at a place where I know that I won't treat anyone in a way that I wanna be treated. So if someone treats me in another way, then I mean, once again, the, it, that's on them, it's not on me. So yeah, so I'm just happy though that I'm, I'm 30. I, I am a, I'm a person who prioritizes my family very, and you know that I'm very yeah. close to my family. I have a, a lot of nieces and nephews in south of Sweden. Now being 30 and since all of them came into my life, it's not, a, I mean, I do this for myself. Even with LA, being in the institute and working with the institute, I still have days where I'm like, Los Angeles, <laughs> but I don't think about it almost anything at all because I'm here for the students. I'm not here for me anymore, which is a beautiful thing for me to push some hard days where I miss my family or anything. Uh, so I do, you know, it's just a different point because now I do it for my niece and my nephews, my family. I do it for the students. And when you have that reason, it's just, it just makes everything worth it. Yeah. And do you know what I think too? I mean, uh, we've talked about your parents and your mom and, and that's how we kind of yeah. go here today too, to be given such a beautiful foundation of service, to have yeah. this mother who quite literally said, I will sacrifice anything for you. I mean, I, I yeah. see where yeah. you come from. I see those values of yeah. service and really wanting to help other people. Yeah. Now you've said, and, and, in before and I think this is true so correct me if I'm wrong you're yes, actually yes, yes. you are the first ever kind of yeah. Swedish Albanian or the first ever Albanian to launch and develop yeah, a high school yeah. institute in America like that's pretty yeah. big and yeah. grounding it's, in, <laughs> it's pretty huge and grounding into this experience yeah. of your family and your foundation and your roots talk to me about the importance we kind of very briefly skimmed over the name Dua Lipa earlier as if she's not like a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me yeah. about like the power of the Albanian yeah. community and what it means to you to really continue to support the Albanian community yeah. and Albanian artists like Dua yeah. Lipa. Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think, first of all, we're, we are a very patriotic community. We are proud to be... Albanians and if you've seen an Albanian I'm sure you've seen the Albanian eagle and, and how we do it with our hands uh, because we're just proud of uh, who we are and I think for me I I because I still have families in Kosovo it's very important that through my work that I can continue building opportunities and bridges that can, can benefit them and Dugi Lipa, uh, who is the dad of Dua Lipa is someone that I have been in touch with for many years now and he knows my heart and passion for uh, music education uh, so when uh, I was just a few months away of launching the institute in, in, uh, uh, in Kosovo and we all understood that I was the first Albanian and Swedish to do that he invited me uh, to a press conference with the mayor of Pristina capital of Kosovo Dua Lipa who had at that time just won her first Grammy Award, and then Doogie, and then it, and me. And then the whole press conference was 
obviously, first of all, about Dua Lipa because she's the queen of Kosovo now. <laughs> and her uh, talking and, 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 and talking about the Sunny Hill Festival that was going to happen that weekend that we did the press conference and Calvin Harris, Miley Cyrus, all those extremely big uh, international artists came to Pristina that uh, Dugi and Dua Lipa had organized the Sunny Hill Festival. But they also have something called the Sunny Hill Foundation. And through that, they build bridges for the younger generation of Kosovo. So as I was launching the institute in, 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 uh, with my team in Los Angeles, Dugi and I had this idea. And it's crazy because I do see the, the, another building where that idea came up because they were in LA and we were at this uh, hotel and we were just like, let's do this. And I was able to have Quincy uh, Jones, the legend, pop up out of nowhere in a big screen to congratulate Dua for her first ever Grammy Award as an Albanian uh, artist. Uh, I mean, as an Albanian origin uh, artist. Uh, so it was just such a beautiful moment. So I think, and, and, I, and I see that with the Albanian community that whenever another Albanian has success, we want to do the bridges. And I do also think it comes from our story of being suppressed. So now we want to be there for each other and make sure that we can just go higher as a team, uh, uh, as a community and everything. So, yeah, I mean, Dua Lipa and, and now it's just, and it's crazy because a lot of my ideas now that I do, I do it with Dua Lipa's music. And it's not, obviously, great music, but also I know that she's from Kosovo. Growing up as a war refugee, my nieces and nephews are growing up having Dua Lipa, kind of like the queen of pop from Kosovo. Uh, and they don't have to say war refugee Kosovo anymore. They just say Kosovo because Dua Lipa is doing such a good job of talking about Kosovo in mm. every interviews. So now when we think about Kosovo, we think about the success that Dua is making. Yes. So it's just a and, and I think great narrative. It, it is yeah. a it's a great narrative, and she's a great role model, which is exceptional. Mm. But I also think it's I incredible. Look I look at you as well as, as such a tremendous role model for just this, this um, prescription of like, not just do what you love and put yourself first, but like, just do the darn thing, right? Like what, yeah. what truly, what have you got to lose? There are yeah. tremendously frightening things that happen in the world and literally happened when you were brought into the world that has created yeah. this sense of like just your teaching your your core truth is like just do what you love keep doing the thing keep putting yourself yeah. out there and you've done things i've got i'm gonna kind of yeah. like shift into music education more a little bit here but you've done things like pitched a tv show to disney in like a disney channel in scandinavia and just yeah. pitching that and making that happen from pitch to reality like there's not a lot of people who have just that confidence that self-assurance to just really bring forth yeah. your ideas into the world yeah. in that way and as a teacher yeah. of that prescription i'm gonna i'm just gonna go there because i love this about you and i love this part of your yeah. story before we wrap up right before the pandemic hit like right before the pandemic you had this opportunity to literally yeah. be in the world's mo biggest and most prestigious educational institute harvard university delivering yeah. a keynote speech at Harvard yeah. 
right before the yeah. pandemic shut everything down. Um, I'm just Busy. curious, like, what was that experience like as somebody who teaches speaker training programs and, and coaches speakers? Yeah, what did yeah. it feel like to be given an opportunity first, to hold yeah. a microphone at Harvard? Yeah. First of all, I just have to say that the, my most, I mean, the greatest feeling of it all was that it was actually Albanian students at Harvard who had been following me who went to the professors and said, this is someone that we look up to and someone who is, who is doing great in America. And then they talked to me, to the, to the Harvard people, and then that's how the invite came. And I just love that. I just, so I just love that whole thing of my own people mm. seeing me and wanting me to come and share my story for the yeah. general uh, people at, uh, at Harvard. So yeah, full circle. I remember I got that email. I just, I, I was, I remember I was so excited about that. But yeah, so I mean, the biggest, I mean, for for me, I'm always just going to be forever thankful. As I told you all, how my story started. Of course, my mom came to this ex extremely special day. I think for me, it was just, I mean, I think for me, I was, as I was walking with my mother and my younger sister, I was just thinking more about my mom, how that must felt for her to, because she, I remember she, she's never been any more excited about anything than when I told her that I'm going to speak at Harvard because she grew up in, 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 a, in the capital of Kosovo and Harvard was a dream for them as well, but that, so far away and who thought that her son that she had to toss out of a window is going to speak there one day so i think for her as she we were walking on the on, i mean just on campus she, she she you know she was just very proud and then there were posters of me everywhere in harvard so she would stop at every poster and take a photo of me of herself and, and the poster and then i had to take a photo because she was just so you know proud and, and happy and then all the students came and, and I spoke for them and I shared them my story and uh, but we also obviously talked about the unknown of, of uh, COVID-19 because a lot of the students came with you know baggage <laughs> because they were leaving that right after my <laughs> my, my, my master class and, and no one knew what, what's going to happen uh, and they closed Harvard uh, the day after uh, I spoke uh, in the morning. Uh, the whole campus. Uh, so I remember, but I remember when I started to speak and I started to talk about them and, and, and just talking about my story. It was just, I mean, for me, it was just incredible. And, and, and my mom there, my sister, and, and it was just incredible. Then the students that came there. And then for me, I, once again, because I do like giving back, I have to invite an Albanian artist from French. So she was on Zoom as well, Irza Mokoli, uh, who I think is going to be like, not the next Dua Lipa, but the next big superstar from Kosovo, uh, because she is a more different uh, artist than Dua. Uh, but uh, she's, I actually Dua is a fan of this girl that I'm talking about too as well. But so she is like a big, big up and coming artist. And I, for me, I felt that, okay, I have this platform at Harvard. How can I bring in someone else that can also do something with it? So obviously, and then she became the youngest person, I think, to speak uh, uh, for, for that class because uh, she's only 15. And, and, and I think some people were like, but Kazim, this is your moment. Why are you giving, I was like, this, that's not who I am. Like, I've never thought like that. So for me, 
it was nice to have her as well. And her family were so excited that their daughter can come and speak at Harvard. And it was just... No, it's so fantastic. And, and, and I do really like is. sharing whatever success or opportunities that I have. I do like sharing it mm-hmm. with other people that I, I believe in. I so it was just an incredible day. I, Yeah. Yeah. I just... I, I mean, I loved, loved, loved the evening. But I, I just want to add something that I did share at Harvard mm-hmm. that I want anyone... I just feel from my gut feeling this is important for everyone to hear is that... When I grew up in Sweden, once again, I grew up as someone with a lot of blondes and blue eyes people, and and and, and it certainly sometimes felt that I could not make it in Sweden. And it's incredible what things can do when we share our frust- our frustration to the people that we look up to. And and I had a music a music teacher at that time. I was I was eleven, who. I, they, her name was a couple of years ago of cancer, so I just want to, you know, give my love and my praise to her because she was just incredible. And I was 11 and I asked her, I was like, I, this is what I feel. I, I, I feel that I cannot make it in Sweden and I'm just letting you know that I'm going to move to the U.S. as soon as I can because I don't feel I can make it here. And she said, meet me after class. And then, and meet me after school. And then I meet her after school. She has this portfolio with her and, and, and CDs. And all of this portfolio is stuff that Rami Yaakov has done. And Rami Yaakov is just like me, foreign background, grew up in Sweden, but is one of the biggest songwriters, producers of all time. He just won a uh, Grammy Award for Rain On Me. He did, his first single that he produced was Baby One More Time from Britney Spears. And since then, he's just been, you know, he did It's Gonna Be Me, he did West, uh, he did uh, One Direction, One Makes It Beautiful, he did Ariana Grande, One Last, he's just, this is someone that has done probably most of the timeless songs that you heard together with Max Martin, who's another big, big producer. So he became a hero for me, but, that moment came because I asked my music teacher and then she told me about Rami and then Rami became this example that, you know what, I can make it from Sweden, which also happened for me because I, as I mentioned, I did try to go here two times, it didn't work out and I went back to Sweden and then I had my success and that brought me to Forbes and Forbes brought me to, to America. So I think no matter where you are, no matter what you're feeling, I just want you to understand that even you hope, I mean, I would pray you can have me an example if you feel now that, and if you want to reach out to me, I, I'm more than happy it will answer because that's what I did with Rami. Once MySpace came in, I shared my moment that I had with my teacher to him and that we connected. And today he's a brother, like he's he's literally a big brother for me. I was just texting with him right before this call. He And he's on the board at the Institute. He's, you know, I, I work for his personal stuff like, his his because i believe he changed my life so i want him to change other people's lives i i always tell him like go and speak and then and go and do i try to push him to do what he meant for me as much as possible because i believe that that's his reason of why he had so much success because his success became an example that no matter where you are from or who you are you can actually have that major success that he had uh, so that feeling that Ami gave me is the feeling that I'm sharing with my student, and I want them to bring that to the in- industry. So there's a lot of hope and reason 
and stuff that making sense I love in, that. In, in all of it. But as I said, share your conf conf confusion, share your passion, questions, whatever that is. But don't just assume that you cannot make it because you feel like it. Don't think like that. Oh, that Get is out of your beautiful. head. I truly, I couldn't love that more. Yeah. That is such an exceptional way to kind of wrap this conversation because not only does yeah. it speak to what you believe, it speaks to really yeah. what I believe is like share your core truth. Yeah. People will follow that truth with you. I think it's why you and I connected so deeply and so yes, yes, yes. And early yeah. on. I know we've got really big things in our future around workshops. Yes, I know. And teaching I know. All cannot kinds wait. Of fun stuff. I cannot, cannot wait. wait. Please tell Same. my audience where, no, first of all, tell us when can we expect unlocked to be out in the yes. world on bookshelves when is that big release or when do we presume that so is? yeah so first of all if you definitely want to follow all of that i know uh, anna is going to share my instagram in, in in the bio and everything so definitely follow that we don't have a set date yet for that uh, but it's gonna come late summer uh, and uh, we're just finishing a lot of stuff right now and going through a lot of important stuff but i think for now the yeah late summer late summer which is perfect because it gives us that opportunity to step into september with yeah. new teachings and some new energy and some fresh advice to just really be yes. unlock the power of you find your superpower as you say I mean, if anybody could talk yeah. about superpowers, it's the newborn infant that literally got tossed out of a window and had to yeah. learn to fly, had to learn to fly from the minute exactly. that you were born. So, Gazim, thank you thank so you. much for being a part of my world, but also a part of this podcast. You are just a dream. Yeah. Th thank you, Anna, so much. I just have to say that it, I've been talking uh, and explaining some good examples i definitely see you as one of them because you know my story how it is to work with great people and we also have to remind ourselves how it is to not work with you not so great people but uh, since the day i met you and since they were connected i i've just been very happy uh, because you're someone that is just so nice Oh, and and you know how much I appreciate uh, your input feedback. And I mean, you've seen it now. As soon as I get excited about something, I feel that I have to get your permission. Like not permission, <laughs> but what's it called? Like, my, my attention. You have to say that it's good. Then I'm like, okay, yeah, attention. Yeah, no, but I feel like if you say it's good, then I'm like, okay, Anna, I say it's good. It's good. So it, it's so I'm just very uh, thankful that you're now someone that I have in my life and. And I hope that anyone who li listens to this as well understand that the importance of finding people that are just people who want to see you win. And I mean, that's with me and Anna. And I, I just want that for anyone as well. Because it, it's so nice. I mean, that's just the, the nicest feeling. It uh, is really. So, that, yeah. Do you know what? What so a good. You, that is. Thank you so much for saying that. And the feeling is, is mutual. People that just want to see you win. It's. It is more yeah. difficult to find, unfortunately, but I am discovering I know. the older I get, how easy it is to yeah. kind of find those people in your world that want to see you win, that want yeah. like want you to rise with them. And uh, gosh, I just love you. Exactly. Thank you for all of that. That was. I love you, Anna. You know that. Thank you for. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, and 
I cannot wait for everyone to read the book. And let me know what you think once you read it. <laughs> betcha. That was such an incredible interview. I mean, I think I said fascinating at the beginning of that interview. Gazim and I always have such a great time connecting, but this just felt really powerful to me. And there were so many things in that interview and that message that really just resonated for me. I hope it resonated for you. There's one thing that I wanted to say. I always, you know, every so often, I'm not altogether consistent on this, but at the end of some of my podcasts, I like to do this secrets are out section where I talk about things uh, that are on my mind that have to do with the content of the day. And I really felt compelled to share this idea that kept coming up with Gazim today around like just doing the darn thing, like take the chance, right? And you only live once. All of that kind of mentality is like do what you love and pursue it and meet people and network and ask for what you want and send the pitch through to Disney and, you know, do the things that really light you up and and your community will follow. And I think that's incredibly true. But I wanted to add this, that it's not always that easy. And particularly if you've been met in your life or if your story that you carry around uh, is that you've been met with disapproval or non-acceptance or a sense of not belonging. So in some cases, that can really fuel a person as it did with the Gazim. It can really fuel you to just be more true to who you are because in some sense, you maybe weren't being accepted anyway. Uh, couldn't quite fit in with um, you know, the Albanian community. Couldn't quite be Swedish. You were just somewhere in between and therefore almost forced to just figure out and unlock who you really are, that power of you. And other times your story is like you, you maybe have had feedback where you can belong if you are a certain way, but you're not going to be accepted if you follow who you are. And that can be really, really troubling. It can bring up a lot of fear and anxiety when we think about just doing the darn thing, just going out and putting our dreams and our uh, business ideas or even our thoughts and opinions out into the world. And we think, what might happen if we say it? Will we be met with that non-acceptance? Will we be met with disapproval? Will we no longer belong in some way? And that's terrifying. That's terrifying. So the thing I do for myself, and I've done some pretty big things and put some big ideas out into the world for sure, but you know this about me. This is never a job that comes with no fear attached to it. In fact, fear is always kind of along for the ride in some capacity. I'm always weighing out those things, right? That fear that comes up for me. And what I try and do, what I try and do with it is something that I learned early on from a counselor, I don't know, way, way back when. It's like, if you're going to worry, worry really well. Like, do it right. If you're going to have fear, like, you know, talk your way through it. Talk your way through the fear. So I go every single time that fear comes up for me, I say, Anna, if you're going to worry at all, worry really well. What is the thing that you are most afraid of? What is the thing bringing this idea, this business, this whatever out into the world? What is the thing you're most afraid of? And the more you talk through the answer to that question, what's the biggest fear? The biggest fear. Go big. Go big or go home. Like just keep going. It's like even if you get to an answer, you say, is that really 
the thing that's stopping me here? Is that really the biggest fear? Because as soon as you get to it, you're going to start to do this in your mind right now. It becomes more and more nonsensical. The first thing that you think is, you know, I might... I might lose followers or I might do that. And then you think that's not really the biggest fear. I mean, what's the biggest fear? Dig a little deeper than that, right? What is the biggest fear if you put yourself out in the world? Is it that no one will really like your idea? Sure, that's still kind of a surface fear. It's like go deeper than that. So somebody doesn't like your idea or you don't make any money off that idea or it becomes something that felt really big to you and doesn't really land with your audience, those are still, not, I mean, worry better than that. Go deeper. What are you making that mean? What are you making that mean? So what is the deeper fear here? And the more you go into it, you actually sometimes and probably all the time arrive at this place where the answer is, I'm, nobody's going to like me. Nobody's going to love me. I'm not going to have my community. I'm not going to belong. This is the core human need. I'm not going to belong. And therefore, thinking that you will belong nowhere, it's pretty big. It's a big worry. Thinking you will belong nowhere means that you end up doing nothing that you really love. That's a big leap. And once you go there, you go, that's it's pretty nonsense, actually. Is it really true that I'm going to belong nowhere if this business doesn't take off? Or if this opinion isn't well-received or this idea doesn't soar from the get-go, it's just simply not true. And I'll get a little sappy here, but if you find your people, as Gazim and I have talked about today, if you find those people, it's not who you know, it's how you know them. If you find those people that really want to see you win in life, in general, you're always going to belong. So find your people. Find your people. And then go for it. Shoot for the stars. Because goodness knows the fact, as is Gazim's story, the fact that we are even here, that's a pretty big deal. Until next time. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth. <laughs>